All right. Hey, what's up? Welcome to the Allison Park Leadership Podcast. As always, I'm one of your hosts, and my name is Dave. And my name is Jeff. And of course, we're part of the staff at Allison Park Church. Uh, I'm the lead pastor. Dave's the campus pastor at the Northside Campus. And Dave is hap- ha- happens to be having a really good voice day. You sound, you sound <laughs> like... voice. Now, by the way, we're father and son as well. You, you sound like you got radio voice today. I've had a summer on. cold for a couple of days, and it's a huge <laughs> bummer. So yeah, you'll have, to, you'll have to put up with the gravelly tones today. Um, by the way, shout out to the Pittsburgh Riverhounds yeah, on your shirt right come there. On. Yeah, we are for a good season. We are soccer fans, and uh, I'm a I'm a rabid fan of a lot of teams. Chelsea first, Philadelphia Union, but our local team is in the USL, doing pretty well this year. I think they're in third place. Pittsburgh Riverhounds, come on, shout absolutely out. black and gold. Yeah, <laughs> hey, and we just want to say if you're new with us joining joining on the podcast, thanks for listening. Uh, and to those who have been longtime faithful listeners, we especially want to say thanks to you. Actually, we want to give thanks to those who have given five star reviews on Apple Podcasts. Two to shout out today. I want to say thank you to Amy Laptop and to GP Spees uh, for their five-star reviews. And as always, if you leave us a five-star review, we would love to give you a shout out as well. So yeah, thanks for joining us. Yeah. Today, um, we're talking about a topic that I think probably if you are in any form of Christian leadership, but especially if you're in any kind of pastoral ministry or, uh, you know, para, what would we call that? Para ministry. Para church ministry. Para church ministries. Thank yeah. you. But this is really for everybody. Yeah. Even if you're not in ministry, these are questions that everybody has in life. So in our third podcast, uh, back in 2019, um, we actually talked about a, a question, what is success? That was actually before we had videos. It was, I and know. Then we got a little worse and had terrible videos we for a Zoom, little while. We had Zoom, cloudy, <laughs> foggy videos. Good, where, good times. Okay, but sorry, go ahead. What yeah, were we, so we talked about what is success in that particular episode, and then we returned to this question of, of uh, you know, how we measure our lives, because, uh, you know, one of the things that I think people feel often is, um, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Am I effective at what I'm doing? Am I a failure? Am I inadequate? Uh, there's a lot of insecurities people have. How do I know when I'm doing, doing really well? Does anybody else notice that I'm doing really well? Uh, there's all these questions that I think people have in life. So we actually hit this again in March of uh, 2021. And the question was, what will I, when will what I do be enough? Sure. Um, so we're returning to, uh, I guess, a common theme, and 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 this, as as often, our podcast topics pop out of conversations we have in our family time. Uh, we were talking with Josh, and who was a guest on our episode yeah. a few weeks ago. My who, brother as well. Yeah, yeah, my my son Josh, and uh, he's also on the staff at Allison Park Church. And what were some of the things that Josh was wrestling through? Right. Well, we were just talking about um, how to how how do we, how do we actually use numbers and metrics when we're talking about our goals as a church or whatever ministries we're, we're leading. Um, it's been tough, I mean, for pastors, especially since the pandemic. I think just in general, especially in the Northeast, numbers are down about 20% across the board. Oh, at least. Yeah, sometimes yeah. more. Yeah, I was actually sitting sitting at a, an event. It was a ribbon-cutting event for a local church that just uh, moved into a new building space, and they had asked me to come in pray the invocation prayer. And I was sitting next to a pastor who was getting ready to read the scripture. And I said, so how are you guys doing? I said, you know, the first time I was meeting him, tell me a little bit about your church. And he gave me history of his church. And then I said, how are you guys doing now? And he goes, well, we are trying to figure out how to do church now in this new environment because people just haven't come back to church like we expected them to. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's what we're all saying right now. I mean, everybody's trying to figure out what the change in our world means, and and because, you know, okay, so historically, especially in church ministry, we tend to look at two key st- statistics: uh, how much, how much, how many people are are coming to a weekend event or whatever it is, you your youth ministry or whatever, and then secondly, how many, how much giving is there, and and we know that that's not the be all and end all. That's not everything that needs to be measured, but those are the two easiest things to count, and so when the numbers aren't where they used to be, it creates eh, panic in some ways in, in leadership. You're like, what am I doing wrong? And what's wrong with me? What's wrong with my church? And how come people don't love me anymore? <laughs> All kinds of fears that grow up in pastors' lives. Yeah, so we'll we'll, we'll keep defining this. I, you know, tentatively, the, the conversation is going to be on metrics or measurements for success in life and in ministry. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think 
so we've gone through different phases with this. The long time there was sort of like almost openly like we're we're you know measurements are really important. We need to use metrics like um, giving and attendance because we're trying to measure our fruitfulness. We're yeah. trying to make sure that we're you know like that parable of uh, the master gave his servants you know five two and one. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Right, and so it's like we want to match sure where you hear well done good and faithful servant. Yeah, we want to make sure that what we're doing yeah. is gonna gonna get us that you know well mm-hmm. done good and faithful right. servant. And so we there was sort of this openness towards well you have to measure. And then there was, I, mean, I don't know, it's probably always been just the two sides of the coin. Like, oh, well, we're not a numbers church, you know? Yeah. We're not just about the numbers. And then I, I've heard this sort of middle ground um, way of talking about it now, which, you know, maybe you've even said this, but, uh, and I'm not dissing this at all. I think this is true, but it does it does make it, I guess it expresses the feeling. It's, you know, well, we're, we're not a numbers church, but we have to realize that every number has a name and every name has a story, you know? <laughs> and I was just thinking to myself, like, I feel like that, but like, I notice like whenever there aren't as many names <laughs> as there used to be. Well, poor stories. You know? Yeah. And, and when, you know, a lot of the stories don't include giving to the, to the church that I'm at, I'm like, oh no, you know? Um, so, and I, I think like, you know, I'll, I'll just, I'll just personalize it for myself. This is, uh, I think probably part of the reason why we've had one episode about this basically per year almost (laughs) is because it's been such an exposing trying time in the pandemic and post pandemic. And for me, I'm at a, I'm at a campus that's, you know, relatively smaller and an urban part of the town with a lot of need, you know, and not as many resources. And so this is something that I feel like I go through from time to time. You wake up and you say, Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Am I effective at it? Could someone do this better? Am I in the right place? Yeah. Am I doing the right things? And ultimately, so when we talk about metrics or measurements, we are actually talking about some standard of comparison uh, upon which we judge ourselves. And so it's like, you know, whenever you guys were growing up and we put a little thing on the wall to see how tall you are, and then you would go and check yourself to see, have I grown? And if you had, you're like, yeah, right. So we all use some sort of standard of measure. And to take this maybe beyond the church leader, because I know that this podcast is listened to by people in various, uh, you know, places in life. If you're a mom you might look at your kids and see someone else's kids and you think their kids are so well behaved or look at how well they do in school or look at how they treat each other or whatever. And you happen to say, I'm, am I a good mom? How do I know if I'm a good mom? What's the standard of measure for that? Um, church leaders are asking this question too. They look at somebody else's Instagram and they say, my Church doesn't feel like the success that they're seeing over there. Am I doing something wrong? What's wrong with me? Am I inadequate? Am I? Do I need to go to kind of some kind of seminar or conference to figure this out? Well, this would be true in any area. If you're a business person, if you're an educator, whatever it is, the field that you're in, we're all looking to find some kind of standard to stand next to on the wall and ask the question: Am I measuring up? Well, I, and, I think I think it's also it's it's it is measurements. It doesn't necessarily even have to be comparing to somebody else no, like you're talking about with a it's wall comparing to something yeah it could even be to your to your own past or sure. your expectations of where you think you should be based on your demographics and you know or if you're a pastor anyway i know there's a bunch of measurements depending yeah. on your career or your family and i guess ultimately we're asking the question what measurement does god use sure well and so here's what we do know and i think this is what makes me feel pressure sometimes god is measuring something you know, so like I think where we've kind of landed before, and I think that this is a very good answer, but there's probably more to discuss with this. Is, so, but let's ask this question: Is he really? So, what? Why do you say God is measuring something as a mom, as a business leader, as a church leader? Well, he's measuring fruit for sure. It's all. Okay. I mean, it's all throughout. You know, if 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 a, if a tree does not produce fruit, it'll be cut down and thrown into the fire. <laughs> okay. And I think a lot of people will be like, "I am I going to get exposed here? You know, like I'm pretending like I have a lot of fruit, but I'm, I'm I know I don't really, yeah. and I'm just worried that okay, you know, that's John God fifteen. Gonna, yeah, You're right. That's a good that's a good verse to start. What other verses? Well, we were talking about the parable of the talents. Yeah. Okay. And and so the the unfaithful servant is the one who takes his one you know talent or piece of money you know the currency he buries it in the ground and he says I know you are a harsh master you know yeah right um, so so we're talking about uh, Matthew chapter twenty five if you want to look this up as we're as we're going along and he and he gives you know five uh, bags of silver to one right. two to another and and one to the third and the guy who 
buries it in the ground and says, I was afraid because I know how harsh you are. Yeah. So I just wanted to make sure I gave you one back. And to that one, he says, now throw this useless servant out into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing in teeth. Whereas the other <laughs> ones here, well done, good and faithful servant, yeah. enter into your master's happiness. So that is a stark contrast in this particular parable that Jesus tells. Now, so he, obviously, Jesus isn't giving the quota, <laughs> like, I'm giving you five, I better see tripling of my investments, you know or what else. I mean? Yeah, he's not using charts or, or modern Western, <laughs> you know, statistical analysis. But there is a clear indication that he is watching to see that you are doing something with what you've been given. There's right. Fruitfulness is all throughout the Bible. And the balance is, we talked last time on, on you know, I think on our third episode ever, What is Success? Yeah. About the... Um, the importance of seeing yourself in a context of, am I being faithful right. to what God's asked me to do? But here's where it gets sticky, because it's like, well, I think I'm being faithful, but it's like, but am I being effective? Yeah. You know, like, well, I, I'm so trying So both to. things are, um, in scriptures, indicated that God is looking for both. You know, the John 15 passage that you quoted, he said, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So much fruit is a part of the expectation, and so is much faithfulness, right? So um, so those are two things. Uh, there is one other thing, though, that Josh said that was interesting to me that was another measuring point that I think we want to bring up. And this has to do with the fact that... So Melody's... My wife's mother just passed away, Bonnie Spencer. She was an amazing lady, uh, 78 years old, died while she was down in Nicaragua. And in in grieving Bonnie... Uh, and her life, which was spent as a missionary and pastor's wife and leader, she was a prayer warrior. All of these stories came to light. Like we heard all of these people that said, wow, she was so encouraging to me, so kind to me. She was such a woman of prayer. Even the way that she ended her life, her brain was not working 100% because she had had multiple strokes. But when they would start to pray or worship, she would pray and worship along because she had trained her spirit in all these years to be intimate with God. And so Josh's response was, will I live up to the legacy? If I measure myself against my, my grandma, who is a woman of God, am I going to live up to the legacy? Like, this is another standard of comparison. The great men and women of God that I know. Maybe there's somebody in your life, it's, maybe it's a family member like, like uh, you know, grandma was to you. Or maybe it's just someone that's been a mentor in your life, and you look at a mentor and you think, they're way more spiritual than me, or they have done so much more than me. Am, am I wasting my life? Am I, am I, am I going to look back and say, you loser, you know, like, you should have done more with what you were given. What you were given. I think that's another one of these measurements that Absolutely. oftentimes we use. Yeah, and so I think we're, we're going to discuss this topic from the paradigm or context of a pastor using those metrics. But obviously, I think we'll hit principles. We talk about, you know, we discuss principles behind our plan. So we are going to talk about principles that will be more general than just for pastors and ministers. And so if you're looking forward to the answer to some of those questions, yeah. how, how, do I, how do I see where I am? How do I look at my faithfulness? And, you know, maybe what is God thinking about where I am in life and whatever else? Like, I think we can find a broader answer and principle, but it's probably most helpful for us to use the, the specifics of okay. where our world is. Yeah right now. Okay, let's do okay, it. Okay, so let, let's let let me just start with some questions, yeah. okay? So here are some questions and I'll I'll have you don't answer right away. I'll ask a few questions. These are these are some thoughts that I think go through the minds of pastors specifically. So, for one, you're looking around and you see other people with much bigger ministries. And I think a, a thought would be are people who produce higher numbers better? You know, are they just better? Are they more effective? Are they a better pastor? Um, you know, should every ministry experience explosive growth if they're healthy? Because maybe I'm not, you know? Um, when, when does fruitfulness come into play? Maybe, like, I feel like if I was uh, fruitful enough, then what I, what I should be doing should be producing more numbers, you know, all, all this kind of stuff. We should see better metrics. I'm trying to be faithful. I'm not sure if I'm effective. So why don't we, why don't we start with, with that first question? When you see, you know, this concept or this feeling people have, like, is there any truth to the idea that people with bigger numbers are better pastors, better ministers, more effective? Yeah. So, okay. I think that that is a very American question. It's a very 21st century American question because 
everything that we do in in our culture tends to be seen from that corporate view of success, right? But if we go back into New Testament era, the 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 people that you wanted to follow were not the people that had the biggest ministries. They were the people that were the most like Jesus, right? And so ultimately, you can have a you can have a pastor or leader that leads a massive megachurch that has a really bad attitude or doesn't really reflect Christ well. So great organizational leadership and great character are two very different things. And this is actually part of why we have these discussions about celebrity pastors, like because there is sort of a kickback against the megachurch and the celebrity pastor. And a lot of times, leaders of great organizations have tremendous leadership skills, but may not necessarily be the person that you want to model your life after. Now, they might also be. You can be be a person of great organizational leadership skill, tremendous communicator, very gifted, able to build a great organization, and even be a celebrity, and also be incredibly like Jesus. But those two things are not synonymous. And so at the end of the day, if you have to choose, I would rather be a person of great character than great competency. So are you saying you have to choose? I don't think you have to choose, but I don't think that the measurement of should we view the numbers uh, as better than, I don't think you can separate uh, competency and character. Uh-huh. It, you, can't, you can have great competency without great character. You can have great character without great competency, but I think the goal is to mix both so that you have bo- both that are being manifested. So I think those two things are, are factors. How, how, how much is your character growing? And then how, how much is your competency demonstrating itself? But then that all happens in the context. I'll give you another C word. I'm pulling out alliteration right on the yeah. spot here. And that is the context of your calling. So like uh, recently I was in Turkey and I visited some of the sites that are mentioned in the book of Revelation. And it talks about in the city of Pergamum, the pastor there, Antipas, was martyred. Okay, so how do we judge how do we judge Antipas's success as a bishop in Pergamum because he gave his life for the cause of Christ? That has nothing to do with how big his church was, but he was faithful to what God had asked him to do in the context of the city he was in and the time he was in. And so um, when you think about when you think about people, I remember hearing a guy I was at Central Bible College many years ago, and there was a missionary that came on a Friday night, and he was talking about his ministry in Pakistan in a highly difficult culture uh, to try to win Muslims to Christ. And I think he had been there 18 months and only won one person to Jesus. Okay. But his spirit was alive with this anticipation of the move of God. And he was fasting and praying and he was seeking God. And there was something about his vision that compelled me as a young man to want to be more like him, even though he had one follower. Right. And so the context of your calling where you are, if you're in uh, Islamaz- Islamabad, Pakistan, or in Dallas, Texas, okay, the context of your calling also will have something to say about how many numbers you can expect. So even the person of greatest character with great competency in the context of Pakistan might not see the same results as someone with character and competency in Dallas, Texas, right, or some other place that might be in the Bible Belt. Atlanta. And so, yeah. so we, all of those things are factors in, in the measurements we, we employ, and I think that they have to be factored in when we look at our lives, right? And so the, a part of the context of our calling right now is that we're coming out of a pandemic and our whole world has changed, and we all know that the way we used to think about our lives in terms of how many people come to certain things and whether or not they're online or in person is very different than what it was in 2019. We're all trying to catch up with, okay, so what's the standard now? Because it's like someone took our measuring stick and broke it into 19 pieces and we taped it back together. And we're like, it doesn't look like it used to. What does that look like now? And how do I base my sense of whether I'm progressing or not? Yeah. And well, so, so yeah. I know that there's obviously like a lot of truth and comfort to the idea that, like, well, you have to evaluate based on your context and what God's called you to. And I think if if we left it at that, it could be like, okay, you know, that's good to know. But I still think there's that nagging feeling, and there's the other side of it of, well, how do I know if I'm being fruitful enough? Like, okay, because it it is it is theoretically possible. And I'm sure it's not just it's actually possible for someone to be 
try, you know, in the right place, but they're totally ineffective for one reason or another, or they feel totally ineffective. Maybe there's a degree of truth. And it's like God's called you to more than this. And, you know, often I think that's that's the feeling plaguing us is like, if God has called me more, I'm not sure how to get out of this. I feel like I'm stuck. There's no visible progress. I think we're healthy. Or maybe maybe you feel like it's not healthy. And it's just like, not only do I feel like a failure, but I feel like God probably thinks I am. And, you know. Yeah. Um, so let me give you another C word that will just be another factor here. <laughs> okay. okay? Yeah. And that is capacity. So in the story we quote in Matthew chapter 5, one was given five, one was given two. So there is different capacity. The guy that was given two wasn't expected to reproduce ten. He was only expected to reproduce four. He, he doubled it. And so he, with his capacity, only had four, whereas the guy that was given five reproduced ten. If you were to stack them up against each other, you would say, well, ten is better than four, but not in God's economy. They both received exactly the same commendation. Well done, good and faithful servant. One was not lifted up above the other. So technically, those numbers wouldn't work if you were just measuring 10 and 4, right? But, but God looked at them as the same degree of fruitfulness. Now, the dude with one, if he had just multiplied to two, he would have gotten the same commendation. But he sat on it, right, instead of using it. So, so I guess the question is, so if 10 and 4 don't always equal 6 minus 6, right, 6 degrees of difference in God's eyes, then what are the things that God's looking at? Yeah, well, because obviously if you're going to use math, it's just like, well, just double what you have. Yeah. You know what I, mean? <laughs> I don't think that's exactly right. the same either. No. You know, because maybe sometimes you're called to do a lot more than that, or maybe it's, you know, like Pakistan, for example. Yeah. You know, who, who knows what God might be calling because you're pioneering. Wasn't it Hudson Taylor that was the, the forefather of missions to China, yeah. I believe? He was the one that went in and had to translate it, and he started to get through the, you know, translate the Bible into, uh, I think it was Mandarin. Probably. And yeah. I think his library burned down, and he had to restart. Oh, no, that was another guy. I can't remember his name now. This was in, in Burma. Um, but, yeah, he spent all this Confusing time. Confusing my missionaries. Yeah, yeah I, I'll think of it in a minute. But... But yeah, so then there's then there's life situations that happen that also have to be factored in. So let's. So do you have some sense, Dave? I mean, I I I have some ways that I cope <laughs> with this question. But what are the things we're supposed to ask or ask about? So for me, yes, there are ways to cope. But I think I'm looking for answers. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We're looking for you to tell us for me who's to a tell you and who's not. If you're listening to this podcast, Jeff's gonna tell oh, you. Just good kidding. luck with that. Huh? Okay, so let's go into one of the passages of scripture. And so the one you started with: if you are not fruitful, you will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Okay. The point of the and then then in that same passage, I think it's verse nine. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Okay, so God is interested in much fruit, but the purpose of John chapter fifteen is not saying be more fruitful. Uh-huh. It's be be connected to the vine, abide in Jesus, be connected to the vine, and you will bear much fruit. It is a byproduct of connectedness. So the first question you have to ask is, how is my relationship with Jesus? Am I living in the maximum amount of intimacy with Christ that will allow Him to flow through my life to produce what He wants to produce? Or am I just trying to work for the man, so to speak, because God is a taskmaster? This was the mindset of that third uh, guy with the one talent, is that he saw God as a taskmaster that was just after byproduct. He just wants outcomes, and I'm scared of what he'll do. No, no, this is not who God is. He's a father. He is the, the, the source of life for you. So how connected are you with Christ? And do you feel the flow of life happening in you every day? If you do, fruit will be a byproduct of that. It's just going to flow out of your life. So that's part of where we start. I guess then if we go to the Matthew chapter 25 passage in the talent story, we would have to ask, are you using what you've been given? Are you sitting on it? Are you just stalled out and afraid to take risks? Are you acting in faith? Are you doing your best with what you have? Um, and, and so that's a second question that we would, we would have to ask, is are you being faithful 
to invest what you've been given? Are you connected to Christ? Are you being faithful? But I know this still isn't satisfying, right? These are questions that are important, but they really don't answer that that question that we really yeah, want to have answered. I'm not seeing as much fruitfulness as I expect based on my measurements. Okay, so, so you, so as much as you expect. Okay, no, no, but right? but, but don't. But don't, that isn't that the thing that everybody. It is the thing, gets but, to. but it's like okay, but I don't think you can evaluate it based on that. So because it's like okay, so let's say I expect too much. Maybe I expect too little. Who's to say? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, so. If there is a measurement that God is using, and we don't know necessarily what He's ex- expecting, I understand there's the idea of we need to be faithful, we need to use what we have, we need to be connected to Christ. I know there's no exact way to, on an X and Y graph, be able to see the God curve. Like, are we? You know what I mean? Are we there? Are we above? Are we below? But I guess, like, what I'm okay. Here's here's maybe the best question that I can think of. If we're wondering, in my context, am I as fruitful as I should be? How can you diagnose that? I know, am I connected to Christ? But the fruit coming off of my life, maybe some of it's based on context, which you can expound upon. Maybe there's other ways to get wisdom of this. But how how can we just even get a base grounding of like, is this okay? It, you know, like, so for, for me, you asked, how do I cope? Um, one of the things that I do, I think I probably talked about this maybe several times in this podcast, but it's that Psalm 127, one and two verse, you know, that I got actually my tattoo of. Yeah. Um, the verse, you know, says, unless the Lord builds the house, it's laborers labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over a city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. In vain, you get up early, go to bed late, toiling for food, for he gives sleep to those that he loves. So for me, anyway, yeah, to summarize, for me, I always go back to, it's God's job to build the house. I just have to do what I can. You know, it's God's job to watch over the city. Like I, even if I work my butt off, I have to realize like it's only through resting in God and what God is doing that I can actually like achieve what he's called me to do. So for me, I'm doing my best. It does not stop me from sort of at the same time feeling like, am I less effective than I should be? Am I being stopped by my own ceiling or am I not working as hard as I should? Am I not giving as much as I should be? Like, Am I, does that make sense? Am I doing enough to know that I am fruitful? Is there a way to diagnose, to say, you know what? I know things aren't as fruitful as I wish they were, but I feel pretty certain and confident that I am doing all that I should be to be fruitful and faithful according to what God's asked for me. But Okay. I want to get to the answer to that. Okay. <laughs> and and I'm, I promise to those of you listening and you feel like, get to the point. Like, <laughs> was that clear the way I asked that yeah, question? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. So, but inside of me, I feel this, this need to ask you this question. Why is that so important to know? Because it feels to me like the driving question of, am I enough, is kind of what we talked about in the last podcast, is this feeling of being invalid. And so... I think the idea of John 15 is God is so crazy about you. He loves you so much. You actually don't have to perform anything to have great value in his eyes. This doesn't mean you, you're lazy and you sit on your talent, but he loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He's chosen you. You are his son. You don't become less a son or daughter when you're performing well or when you're performing poorly. So like there's something that you can rest in. I always come back to this statement in my life. Uh, am I pleasing God? Am I caring about people? If I'm doing those two things, I know I'm being effective. Um, and then I've added, am I setting in motion other people in my life? So am I pleasing God? Yeah, I feel like every day I'm getting up and I'm pleasing Him. Am I caring about people? And, and then am I setting in motion something good in the world? Now, if we get to that last part, am I setting in motion something good? Okay, so my life story is full of goals that were set in prayer that I shared with people in leadership that then we worked together to achieve those goals, and we hit a target, and we hit a target, we celebrated. So my whole church planning story started with five churches in five years that we wanted to plant in 1996, and we did it. And then we stopped at the end of the five years, and we said, we planted five churches. Look at that. Now, that was a specific. We felt like God prompted us to, to go after it. We all worked together for it. It was a reasonable goal. It was measurable. At the end of the project, when the fifth church was planted, we stopped and we wildly celebrated together. 
And then we went back to God and we said, what do you want us to do next? This past year, we set a goal as a church to raise $1.2 million for kingdom builders. We actually raised $1.461, I think it was. So um, is that fruitfulness? Well, we, we prayed at the beginning of the year. We challenged our congregation to look at the projects. We challenged them throughout the year to give. We were way behind what we thought we were going to hit in October. And we then said, come on, let's believe God together. People began to give. And then supernaturally, God supplied. So now we can look back and we can celebrate. Wow, almost $1.5 million given for missions. That's unbelievable. Now, someone else could hear that whole story, and they are from a church that's a lot smaller than Ellison Park Church, and they were like, see, I knew I was a failure because I didn't raise that much money for missions. No, but the real key is, what has God spoken to you to believe Him for, and and what has He promised to do through your life? And then, are you working with your team towards that end? And then, have you have you seen God do what He promised He would do? Um, so, you know, we as a as a staff at Allison Park have narrowed it down since we can't measure uh, attendance in the same way because we have so many people who are vibrantly online. And we have some people who are in person. And and honestly, the stress of goal setting has been a real stress on our staff over the years that we determined there's just one thing we're going to measure this year, and we're going to measure how many people are we helping to connect into a next step in their spiritual life, not just randomly, but purposefully. And our staff has set a goal of 750 connections. So part of what you're measuring every week, Dave, is, is that part of what our whole staff is measuring. So how's that going? When yep. you look at that particular goal... How many people are we connecting? Does that seem to scratch that itch or satisfy that question? I think it does. I think it does in a lot of ways. But okay, so yes, but I'll say like it. So I'll tell you how I've wrestled with stuff because it doesn't really always in the way that. So I'm not, I'll say this. I don't think I particularly am feeling the weight of this on my life right now the way that I have at times. Okay. But there was a, a moment, even this summer, whenever I was thinking, like, sort of my thought pattern was like this, like, man, my staff is great. Like, my church, like, a lot of what my campus is doing is is really great. Like, I don't think it's any, but I still feel like if I was more fruitful, you know, like, if there was some, if, if I was better than I am, that we would be doing something more. And it, again, it like... No blame to my, I mean, I have an amazing, you know, worship leader and kids pastor and all, all, all everybody on my team. They're great. I, I love my staff. Um, but it felt like maybe I'm what's holding it back. You know, how do I know? Um, because like we haven't seen metrics in other, like in some of those, you know, giving and numbers kind of a thing change as much as I think we should. So, but, but you do have to know what you're, what, so this is, this is a part of what I think the, the, uh, journey is in terms of measuring fruitfulness. You have to know at the beginning what God is asking you to do. Sure. You can't just vaguely set a goal. But if you go in and you start a ministry season and you say, God, what should I be believing for as success in, in this upcoming season of ministry? And if you and God establish something that you feel is reasonable, and now you set that as a target on the wall, and you are now working with God towards that end— and you, you at some point look back and you say, what we shot for or said we believed God wanted to do in us, we have just now reached that accomplishment, and now we're going to celebrate. Now, now if, you, if, you, if you have that happen in your life, I think that's the secret, right? It's, so, and that would work in any area. Here's what I believe God wants to do in our family over the next six months. Let's work toward that. Let's pray towards that. Let's believe God for that. And and then you, if you hit it, then you wildly celebrate, and and I think that's true in business. I think that's true in in ministry, where you say, "I believe this is where I'm headed," and so maybe we look back too much when we think about fruitfulness. Maybe we need to look forward. Maybe maybe we're going back and we're saying, "Did I do what I was supposed to do? Am I enough? Did I accomplish this?" Maybe what the real question is: Do I know what God wants me to do, and what He's asking me to do? and what he's promised to do through me. And if I do, I have to be content with that in my context, with my capacity, um, and, and I need to go after that. And when I hit it, 
Rather than then comparing my small number in comparison with someone else's, I'm a two guy and the five guys over here having his conference. I'm a two guy and the five guy over here is just posted on Instagram. And I'd feel like my two, which went to four, which is all God asked of me, now looks puny in comparison with Mr. 10 over here who took his five and made 10. That's the problem. It's not that, it's not that in my two-ness, when I hit four, God is somehow looking and saying, you should have done more. It's that somehow I don't understand that when I do what God's asked me to do and I arrive, he is so happy. He's saying, well done, good and faithful servant. And I'm like, but I'm not the five guy, right? So that's what we, that's the trap. Like, so do you know what God's asking you to do with your life? If you do, put, ask God to give you a target to shoot for. Then take what your capacity is in your context and work toward that end. And when God manifests for you the fruitfulness you and he were envisioning together, celebrate that like crazy. Don't use that as a moment to compare yourself against somebody else. Neither should you look at the one guy who just got rebuked and say, I'm so much better than you. Like, because that's that's not useful either. What we really want to do is look at what, what is God doing in my life? And this is why Allison Park Church, so I think we talked about this before, we arrived at the connections goal as the only thing we're going to think about right now. We, we basically said, we're not going to worry about weekend attendance, and we're really not even going to worry about a lot of the other metrics. If we just do this one thing, we're believing for 750 uh, connections being made by the end of October, and every week we're talking about that, and we're saying, God, send me that next person, help me make that next conversation. That is what we feel like the Holy Spirit led us to. We have to stay there. We can't now change the rules in the middle of the game and say, yeah, the connections are great, but if people were giving more, the connections are great, but if more people were attending. Like, you have to know what God's asked you to do. And and I think that's the thing that sometimes we miss, that we're trying to vaguely lead rather than specifically leading towards the thing that God has put in our path as the thing that we should be shooting for, working towards. In your experience, do you think that a lot of people or most people know how to get that word to strive for? I don't think... I So I think that my philosophy of ministry about discern first, do later is a very rare, unique approach to ministry. I just was actually in Africa, and I taught this to the pastors that were there about how whenever the priests in the book of Leviticus were anointed, they were anointed in three steps. Their right earlobe, their right thumb their right toe, the big toe on the right foot. And the thought is, you hear first, then you do and go. So success starts with not, what have I done? Success starts with, what have I heard? So if you're saying, God, what do you want me to do at the Northside campus? God, what do you want us to do in the next six months? What are you looking for? And then he says, Dave, I want you to do this. This is what, this is, this, and then tell your congregation, this is what we're shooting for. And then you work together for it. You pray together for it. And you hit that mark. That's when you say, hey, then you represent the Father to your congregation. And you say, well done, guys. We, this is what we shot for. This is what we achieved. This is, was amazing. Now here's the next thing God has said to us. So leadership is a progressive journey of hearing from God and doing with Him what you were called to do. And if you are connected to Christ, the Bible says the fruit will come out of that. And then, and then we just celebrate um, every time we have this meeting of a target, uh, rather than comparing ourselves with someone else's success reel on TikTok, right? So I don't know, that that makes sense of it. Or yeah, that. it makes sense. I, I, I just think... I. Th- I don't, I've never heard or read in any other book or from another speaker that approach. And not that I'm that, like, I'm sure somebody else out there feels the same way. I think most major Christian leaders that I've heard tend to think, like, just wherever you go, go and do your best and do it for God's glory and, you know, try to be fruitful kind of a thing. So it's it's a difference between am I a performer for God or a partner with God? Yeah. If I'm performing something for God, then it's up to me to accomplish it, and then it shows my particular prowess as a leader. If I'm a partner with God, then I'm just along for the ride, and whatever happens is for His glory. See, that's why John 15, I think that's what it, what it is. The fruit that comes out of your life will be to the Father's glory, not to yours, because you'll say only God could have done that. And so if we begin, if we, if we start this 
this conversation looking backwards. Am I doing what I'm supposed to do? Am I a success? I think we probably are looking in the wrong direction. Okay. So let's let's address leaders like, yeah, Jeff, I but I don't hear from God the way that you do. You know, or I, I don't want to like be just stuck standing still. Okay, let me take you way back to the very beginning. Actually, the place where we're filming this podcast is my original office. Yeah. Uh, in 1988, I came on staff as the pastoral assistant. I had very little responsibility. But one of the things I was called to do was to start small groups. There wasn't even unity on our team as to whether small groups were a good idea, but I was being asked in that context to start small groups. And, and the first thing I did was I put a map up on the wall, and I took little pins, and I found out where all the people of Allison Park Church lived, and I plotted it out. And then my goal was to start three groups. And so we had no small groups. I wanted to start three small groups. Over a period of about nine months, I got the blessing of my supervisor to do that, my boss, my pastor. And I said, this is my goal. And I started recruiting three leaders and training them. And at the end of that nine months, I started three groups. And we had our first small group season. That was wild success for where I was in the context of starting out as a 23-year-old pastor on staff at Allison Park Church without a clear vision for small groups. I don't think God was expecting anything more from me than that. So did I hear from God like I went into fasting and prayer and the Holy Spirit said, Jeff Leake, plant three small groups? No, but it seemed good to me and to the Holy Spirit at the moment that that was a reasonable goal. And we hit that goal, and then we celebrated that goal. And then eventually we had nine groups. Okay, so so that's my that was my context. I don't know where you are in your spiritual journey, but you really be, need to be dreaming about what's the next step for you. What does success look in your context right now with your capacity and your situation and the calling that's on your life and what God is saying to you reasonably about the next phase and then set that target. Don't go 10 years from now. Don't even go five years from now. Go three or four months from now. Set that target. Tell your your key people with you, what you're shooting for. And when you hit that, go crazy. Like say, this was awesome. Look at this. We have three groups. Like maybe other people have 300 groups. And you're like, I only have three groups. I suck. Right? No, no, no. You have three groups. You didn't have three groups before. Like all God asked you to do is that. So start there. And every time you hit a mark, pause and celebrate like crazy. Yeah. So I, I'd still want to probe this a little more. Just because I, so my first few, my first few, my first goals, probably even more than my first few for a long time were probably like, not just ambitious. They were very, very ambitious goals that I, I, if I would do well, like looking back in hindsight, well was never close to my goals. Do you know what I'm saying? Well, because they were ambitious goals. Yes. They weren't, they weren't, they weren't calling Goals. They were see. The but, you, but you just talked about. You said this felt reasonable to me and to God. But those that, that sounds like how how is that different? Well, is it, well, ambition, ambition. So there is, I think, such a thing as holy ambition. But ambition is this is what I want to do. Okay. Okay. The question is, so not, how is that different than this is what I want to do, and that seems good to me, and probably God thinks it's good too because it's a good thing. Like you talked about setting. Does that make so sense? So this is what God wants me to do. So how do you know that? Yeah, so there's probably a whole <laughs> bunch of things. So so this is where you probably need some filters. There needs to be people in your life that are older than you, that are mentors to you, especially those who are in the sphere that you're working in who can speak back to you and say, because I've had this happen many times. You know, someone says, I'm going to plant a church and I'm going to have 3,000 people in this church. And my co- my comment to that is, well, I don't want to discourage you about your vision to have a church of 3,000, but why don't we start with building a launch team? Uh-huh. So let's start with 30 rather than 3,000. Right. You keep praying 3,000. You keep believing 3,000. If God told you 3,000, hold on to that stand up. But let's start with the first 30. So if, if you came to me with what I felt like were ambitious goals, I might push you back and say, that's a great thought. Let's, let's make it in bite-sized pieces now. And ask the Holy Spirit to give you a more bite-sized goal that, that is maybe shorter term, that you could go for. And then when you hit that, then enlarge your goal, especially if you're new and you're starting out. Start with something smaller, hit that, so, so that you have some momentum. Um, so a lot of people will set goals that are stretch goals. Yes. Okay. And I think there's good to have that in the back of your mind, but I think it's better to have specific realistic ones that are Holy Spirit-kissed 
okay? It may not be a word from the Lord you heard audibly, but you feel the kiss of the Holy Spirit inside, and other people who look at your life, who are, you know, kind of speaking into your life, have affirmed that is a specific, realistic, spirit-birthed goal that I can agree with, and I will stand in faith with you for that, for it to be accomplished. Yeah. That is what you need. It's that it's the reasonable expectations you're setting for yourself that allow for you to measure whether or not you have been successful or not. The fact that we have these vague, ambitious expectations of where all of a sudden the target's moving because somebody else did something that I didn't even think of, that's where the vague, that's where it creates this sense of inadequacy. So, so know your context, know what your capacity is, know what your calling is. Um, think about how connected you are to Christ. Take some time to hear from God. Set a reasonable, specific goal. When you hit that goal, celebrate like crazy, and don't compare yourself to the person that has more talent, more, more context than you. And, and then you row gradually in life, and over decades, you look back and you say, well, look at what happened in my life. Like, I could still measure myself if I were to look at my life and say, I didn't build a Mega church of twenty thousand. Therefore, I'm not as effective as I really thought I would be when I set out. But that's not my context or my calling. Yeah, God called me to be a, ch- a church planting church, and we sent people away and to be a multi campus pastor. And so, it's a little different than if I were in a different context. I have to learn to be content in that and and in my calling. And so, I think looking forward is a big is a big part of that. Did that help? Yeah, so so can I summarize what you're saying? Yeah, sure. So you're saying, obviously, there's the whole thing with faithfulness that we've discussed in other podcasts. Make sure you're being faithful, connected to Jesus, consider your context. But what you're really saying is the main use of metrics should be to ask God for what he's asking as like your next short-term step and to try to get to that just that next step and don't just compare to everybody else. Yeah. So... Like for for us, like this might be a lot, but I do feel like this is what God's asking us to do. And you go towards that. And if you get that, then it's like, well, obviously, like you're putting your your talents or your bags of silver or whatever mm-hmm. you will, um, not just into faithfulness, but you're being effective because you're reaching what God's asked for you to do. And that's this is how you not only start to feel more confident in yourself as a leader, as a successful leader, but other you gain credibility with other people. So if you say, we're going to start three groups, and then you cast vision for that, and your people join you in it, and you start three groups, and then you stop and celebrate, people say, oh, look, Dave knows what he's doing. And then Dave says, now we're going for nine. And you hit eight, and one closes on you. They look back and they say, wow, we almost hit nine. Look at look at the progress we're making. Yeah. This is really great. So then people, then the next time you show up and you say, and I was praying and I went, I went back and I was thinking, here's what I think is the next step for us. We're not going to start any more groups right now. We're going to try to go a little deeper. And here's what we want to do. And so now people are listening to you, not just because they like you, but because they see you as somebody that is a producer and they want to be a part of a winning team. And not only are you telling them where the goal line is, but you're helping them cross that goal line, keep, and you're scoring touchdowns in the kingdom, so to speak, and you're doing the touchdown dance together, and you're winning. And when you're winning, when your team is winning, and you know you're winning, and you know what the score is, and you know why you're winning, that helps everybody feel like not only are you a competent leader that I can follow, but I'm a part of a competent team that is getting something done. Yeah. And in this pandemic, post-pandemic world, where the goalposts have, posts have changed, I think one of our assignments as leaders is to create n- new ways of winning that that will that we will now go back and remind people about yeah. so that they don't feel discouraged as well about the fact that it doesn't look like it looked like 2 years ago and and that we're still having moments where we're celebrating the fact that God is doing something in our midst and it's a beautiful thing to see. I'll I'll just I'll just and we're kind of wrapping up here towards the end, but I do want to cap back on the thought you've talked about before because I think if maybe a listener is hearing this as our first conversation yeah. about success and effectiveness and when will what I do be enough, and it would be potentially helpful to listen to those, to those other episodes, because often the search for like success is what you were referencing earlier, a search for sort of validation. Like, I want to feel like I am actually enough and that like God's not upset with me and that I'm... I know I'm doing enough because I feel like I'm a failure. And it's, it's sometimes that is, that is a search for feeling like 
accomplished, like you not not necessarily like, like you've arrived, but just a source of validation. I think only only like a personal reckoning where you're just like God, whatever it is you're asking me to do, I'll do. And I'm content with what you've given me. Only that is what can bring contentedness with this. But I do think that this conversation hopefully has been helpful towards defining some metrics that aren't just toxic, comparative, you know, I'm not whatever church. I'm not elevation, therefore I'm a failure. But, you know, looking at the... And let me give a cheat code here to, to those of you who are pastors and those of you who attend churches, and that's this. Most... Spiritual leaders are walking around asking this question. Am I valid? Am I doing enough? Am I enough? Am I in the wrong place? If you want to gain tremendous influence in this world, go around noticing what's going well and be an encourager. So so you can gain so much influence if you just walk and you say, you know, Dave, you are doing an amazing job. I so appreciate you as my pastor. Here's what I see happening in our campus that is just so wonderful. Like you just got an attaboy. I don't know if you you remember this, but there was an email sent. A guy was on sabbatical. He's living in Pittsburgh. Oh, he chose yeah, your yeah, campus yeah. to attend. Right. And when he went back to Canada, he said, wow, we found a family at the Northside campus. And this was such a refreshing time. And a big part of that was that we were at this campus and we were part of the healthy environment that is the Northside campus. <laughs> yeah, so sure. listen, so, so, so um, that right there, it was a shot in the arm. I mean, I don't know. That's one that if I were you, I would get up and read to the whole campus because everybody needs to know somebody saw this. Okay, if you happen to be the guy who's saying that, like this was a great experience for us. You're doing such a good job. You gain, the next time you see him, if he comes back from Canada, you'll be like, hey, what's going on? (laughs) Right, because everybody is looking for encouragement and validation. And if you can be, not, not a flatterer, I'm not talking about where you go around and you just blow smoke everywhere. I'm talking about genuinely you notice something good, someone is doing good, someone is doing, and you can, you can be a, voice of encouragement, because let's just say it, the last couple of years have been so difficult on spiritual leaders, and what do they say, 40% are thinking about quitting. Yeah. So if you want to help with this, maybe you're not struggling with the question of, am I a success? But most of the people around you are, Yeah. and so when you wake up every day, decide to say, God, use me today to speak life into a leader, because you know everything rises and falls on leadership, and if leaders are walking around feeling invalid, inadequate, and like quitting every day. We as people, we as other pastors, older leaders, younger leaders, we can look at one another and say, come on, man, you're doing great. Because most of us don't see our successes. We only see our inadequacies. And we need to be reminded of the context of what God sees. And, And so sometimes that's just what people need to hear. Like, I don't know if you recognize this, but you were doing really great. Yeah, yeah. Like that needs to be said over and over again. That's so good. Yeah, that's a great way to close, too. Yeah, Yeah. so hopefully you feel encouraged from listening to this. And as always, we would just encourage you to share this with people that you know, either on social media. You can like and subscribe on YouTube. You can obviously give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. We'd love to shout you out for that. Um, But yeah, we just want to say thanks so much for joining us, and we hope to see you next time.